This is episode number 307 for June 2014. Now, before I get to the message board question and answers, I just want to ask for your support of the podcast. Up on the front page of the SpidermanCrawlspace.com, I have a PayPal donation button where you can leave a tip or a donation to help support the website and the podcast. The reason I'm asking for your help is that the bills to host the website are adding up. I have 300-plus podcasts on the server along with my website, and bandwidth is not cheap. I just paid a very large bill to keep the site going for another three months. Now, since we lost our sponsor last year, I've been paying the bills out of my own pocket. As a working father, the bills add up and money is tight like everybody knows. So if you can please log on to the front page of the SpidermanCrawlspace.com website and donate what you can. I want to keep the site going for years to come with your help. Now, to put it in perspective, if everyone donated just $1 that visits the site in just one day, I'd have enough to host the site for years. Again, thanks for your help, and let's get on with the show. Okay, time to tackle message board questions. Wombat909 from the UK. He's generally the first one to add something up there every month, so I appreciate that, Wombat. Uh, his question is, one element of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 you never discussed was the music, the opinions of which have been divided. I really dug the way you could hear the voices in Electro's head during the Times Square battle. Uh, through though the music and uh, through the music, but uh, a lot of people didn't like this. I wonder what your thoughts were on the music. I am actually. Well, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I'm glad he actually brought up this uh, question because this was actually one of my cons for the film. Okay. Um, I actually did like the main Spider-Man theme where he's where, where in the beginning where he's fall where he's like free falling. You see the costume rippling and stuff. That theme. Um, that was actually, and also the ending thing, you know, that was really good. However, I was just kind of somewhat a little bit baffled. I mean, that th- where he's talking about that 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 theme with Electro, where you have sort of that sort of that weird, do, 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 yeah, do, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. to me, you shot me, and all that, and all that weird thing going on. Yeah, I, that almost took me out of the film because it's like I understood what they were doing, but it was like it just felt odd. Although that was not the kind of the, the most ridiculous. Musical selection. That was when they was play, where the Electro was fighting Spider-Man with the Itsy Dipsy Spider in dubstep at that pi- with the pylons. Especially when you start yeah. seeing the little equalizer bars going up and down. I did. I did. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I yeah. did like Spider-Man had uh, the cartoon theme song on his ringtone. Yeah, I thought that's that was fine. Yeah, cute. but I just think, but his, and there was other parts too, like where he, you know that sometimes where they had those little weird pop music selections, like for instance, where he's uh, where he, that scene where he's walking across the street. And they have like you know he's like you know just meet Gwen, and he's gradually avoiding those cars, and they're playing some song that I you know sound like oh is this like a Cure cover band going on what the you know and then the other thing was the thing where he's in like in his room, and you know where he puts up the wall of conspiracy thing, and the song's playing some is uh, Philip Phillips, uh, with that uh, gone 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 thing or uh, whatever song thing which really does yeah. not fit which what's going on in the scene. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was just kind of a weird not not a fan. Nah. 
With uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier and X-Men Days of Future Past, adapting stories from the comic, do you think Spider-Man films can take inspiration from this and look towards stories that they themselves can adapt? Well, we did the death of Gwen Stacy, dude. What else you want? <laughs> Craven's last uh, we, Craven, Yeah, Craven's comes to well, mind. Well, they can't blow him shoot himself with the shotgun, but... Well, I mean, they're doing the Sinister Six from the annual one, but it's not yeah. getting the team together. I don't think it is, but anyway... Um. Uh, Iron Patriot from the Philippines, Brad and George, which Marvel characters would you like to see appear on The Muppet Show, and what type of skits would they perform? George, what do you think? Uh, Deadpool, and it'd be a musical. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, Spider-Man, and he would do um, an upside-down kiss with Piggy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Herman Schultz, his location is in an apartment. Uh, with the upcoming Spider-Verse event that seems to have May Parker involved, what effects do you think it would have on the 616, Peter, if he learns in the story uh, about who she is and how things turned out in her universe? Go for that one, JR, uh, George. JR's got the next one. Um, mm, I, I don't know. I mean, we haven't really seen it yet. I, I can't really – I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a good answer for that one. JR, you've said before a few times about how Spidey could benefit from more female villains, but I'm curious to hear if there are some specific female villains he already has that you feel have potential to have been underutilized, like the uh, White Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking about this uh, sometime. You know, I saw your question, and I started thinking yeah. about it, and I started going through the female villains he's had. I'm thinking Princess Python? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Cold Heart? You know, no. You know, because she was like a, you know, one of those 90 eras chicks who had uh, the queen. The spider oh. queen, yeah. yeah. Or yeah, Belladonna. Yeah. What about her? Uh, and then um, <laughs> there had to have been some, there had to have been some others. God, I, you know, I wrote them down once and, uh, but no, I, I no, he hasn't had any good female villain. I mean, other than the black cat, and then you know, obviously we saw what happened to her. She became his lover. So no, I mean, see, the problem is a lot of guy, a lot of people when they write women villains, they like to give them women's issues. They you know they like to make that be in the issue. Um, one villain I liked, it wasn't Spider-Man, it was uh, Phil Urich Green Goblin. Was uh, Tom DeFalco created like a female villain called Angel Face, and she was just badass. You know, I don't think yeah. I, don't, I don't think she had any jilted lovers or boyfriends or was raped or whatever. She was just a badass, and then he transported her to the Spider Girl universe, and she had a couple of badass kids. You know, that's you know that to me that I'd like to see that character come back. Yeah, I really would. But that's about the we only had, one. We had the potential to have one of the coolest ones, which was Venom, mm-hmm. where the baby, the the mom lost the baby. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, but remember, uh, a, a female villain couldn't fight Spider Man. Oh, yeah. Not 1988. Or yeah. Jim <laughs> and it's like, what? You know, it's like, don't you ever read Wonder Woman comics, dumbass? To George, I remember you were a fan of Earth, Avengers Earth's Minus Heroes cartoon, given your Ultimate Spider-Man reviews. I've been wondering what your thought of Spidey's appearance on that show. I haven't watched all that show. Um, I've watched uh, some of it. Um, haven't really seen Spider-Man interfacing with them on that show as much. I don't. I tend to not like uh, the new Avengers so much as I did the uh, the Earth's uh, Mightiest Heroes. That was a really good cartoon, and it didn't need to go mm-hmm. away. 
Yeah. And he also congratulates us on reaching 300 shows. Oh, yeah. so thank you very yeah. much, Herman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jolly, jo- 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 Jolly Jovial Jonas from the Justice League Watchtower. Uh, has anybody played the Amazing Spider-Man 2 game? I have not. Anybody? Spencer not has. What, what Spencer? Oh, it's, we always do the Spencer Spider-Man review. What, what did he think of ASM Two? You know, the game? I, I think he liked it. He beat it like the day after he got it. Oh, oh Lord. yeah, <laughs> I know. He, he just and he, you know he told me. Oh, by the way, they did the the burglar that killed Uncle Ben thing. They resolved, and it's like what? You know, it's resolved, really? Yeah, the game. It is. That's it. Yeah, so much. Like place. Like Jr. Is there no way to pick it up in the I, third movie? I, I I don't know. I I didn't get too many oh. details from it. He ju- you know he was just right along. He says, well, I got through fifty eight percent. I said, well, why are you playing it? He says, well, I only got through fifty eight percent of the game. I want to do it all, you know, and yeah. so I'll I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to I tell you what, that boy goes through video games, man, yeah. fast. Yeah. I hear it's a very short game, too, is what I've seen some for reviews. But uh, Spectacular Mike, there you go. Oh, here we are. What spider-related titles are you picking up? Um, What's on your well, list? Well, I was, um, well, because I actually do, um, besides doing reviews for the site uh, for uh, Superior Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man now, um, I was actually writing up... Um, for another site simply called Spider-Man Reviews, which um, and for that I used to be was doing uh, Scarlet Spider until I got canceled, and then I got switched over to New Warriors, <sighs> and then the other one I was picking up reading was The Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which is uh-huh. awesome, and people should be reading it because yes. that is probably one of the best titles Marvel is putting out right now. It is. No. I agree. Yeah. What, what, what else is on your Marvel pull list? Ah, uh, that's pretty much about it. I'm not. It? Yeah, I mean, support, the other titles I've kind of sporadically kind of see if there's anything kind of catches my interest or but you're, like that. You're a Spider-Man guy. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I did. I, for a while, I was following all new X-Men, and then Battle of the Atom happened, and I'm like, yeah, yeah this done. just took it. Like my sister would say, this took the off ramp to stupid. After that. <laughs> 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 so I'm just like, uh, and of course, seeing the previews of what's going on in there now, I don't know if you actually seen the previews for this of what the new issue of that thing is coming out. Apparently, Mystique may have gotten pregnant by Charles Xavier. Okay. Oh, I haven't read that yet. Oh, well, wow, that was the preview that, that they showed up on Newsarama thing, and everyone. I'm out. Uh, yeah, it's just, this is uh, going like, to Bendis rights, right? Yeah, this yeah. is going yeah. to Bendis rights. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, it was I didn't even like, that, that. I didn't even have to ask. Yeah. Oh. Does anybody watch Arrow? No, um, I don't. I've seen sporadically. Not. I've, yeah, I don't. Th- let's skip that question yeah. then, because I. Yeah. Uh, Brad, any future interviews or big plans for this year? Um, last year, I started talking to John Romita Senior. I'd like to uh, line that interview up. Uh, Nick Lowe. I've been talking to the Mark. I mean the the PR guys at Marvel, getting the Spider-Man editor on. I'd like to do that. Uh, the Superior Foes creative team, I've got the artist who don't have the writer. He won't write me back, so maybe if I can go through the Marvel PR folks, I can get that going. I have a lead on Nicholas Hammond from the 1970s uh, Spider-Man a live action show. I'd like to interview him. Um, that's some of my... Oh, uh, I just got an email uh, from a uh, book publishing company that uh, they're releasing a Spider-Man book from DK Publishing. They produce those like encyclopedias. Tom DeFalco did one. And there's a writer that uh, put at, is putting out a new Spider-Man like encyclopedia book. And uh, we're going to interview him. And 
I'll announce it now. They're going to send me a, a, a review copy, so I'll, I'll read it before I do the interview. And we're also going to give away a copy to a listener okay. uh, for some kind of contest. Uh, we'll have to talk to my team about what we should decide what you guys should, what hoops you guys should go through <laughs> to get a free book. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, there you go. That the 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 panel didn't even know about this. I'm revealing it to him right now. But uh, that's that's some of the things I've got in the background. But I got amazing friends out, man. I've been wanting to do that yeah, one on for that years. That was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Pu- Puny Parker, his location is on a happy cloud. That that movie Kafka's dead. <laughs> uh, if Spidey was a Disney. Oh, I Disney, guess he meant yeah. Disney. Yeah, he misspelled Disney. Disney property. Will he fit in the Marvel universe, and how? Uh, I don't get that one. I guess he. I, don't I, I guess he'd fit how, in as how they, yeah. How they can fit Spider-Man into the other Marvel movies? He'd fit in as a teenager with powers. I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of always think that he would be kind of considered. Oh, oh, he's the the you know when they usually have the team ensemble in movies that he would be the youngster. Guy who yeah. kind of like always like, oh wow, this is so cool and everything, and everyone's really thinking like, shut up, kid. Make so no mistake. I- if make no mistake, if Disney if, if Disney was doing Spider Man movies right now instead of Sony, he would be in high school. He oh would, yeah, he, and he would be much younger. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They would they just, I mean, they, and the only yeah. reason, the big reason is that is that when they bought Disney, they specifically wanted to go after teenage boys and young boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mentality, of course, when Brad and I and Jr. were kids, we could follow Amazing Spider-Man, and we didn't—they didn't have to be, you know, 15 years old. They could be college kids, and we were fine with it. But the, right. the mentality today is, well, if kids are going to watch it, it has to be about kids. Mm-hmm. One aimed at George. I never heard your opinion on the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. What is it? Uh, you, you weren't a fan, or as I call it, Greg Weissman's Diversity Squad. Um, the animation was very well done. I did not like a lot of the character changes, and therefore, I did not watch it. I did. I didn't watch it long. I watched a, the like few episodes early on, and then I was just like, "Nah, this isn't for me." So TNR one hundred and five location inside of a half a sleeve of Ritz. Yeah. Wow. All right, uh, Brad. What's the backstory with the Muppet Muppet Baby joke? Something inside from one of the old Skype chats. Nope. I just like the Muppets, and the guys know that I like it, so they make fun of it. Uh, that's about I it. I, don't, I like the Muppets. Everybody who doesn't like Muppets. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I grew up watching the Muppet Babies. One of my favorite things mm-hmm. is at the end where it said Marvel Productions and Spider Man came down on top of that big MP logo mm-hmm. at the end of every Muppet Baby episode. Yeah. And I'm like, that's awesome. Marvel makes Muppets. And I I bought the Muppet Baby Star comics back in the day. I just I Spider Man Hulk and Muppets. That's my top three popcorns. <laughs> I just like the Muppets, and we always talk about them. So, uh, let's see. Mr. Bailey's not here. Jr., how would you personally have reintroduced Norman to the Spider books? Uh, how would I have? Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have time to think about this one because it's a good. It really is a good question. How would I have brought him back? I I. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have enough. T- uh, I don't have enough time to ask me again next month. Okay, <laughs> George. Since Norman apparently was the Goblin King, and now that he no longer has the Goblin formula in him, does the supposed lack of psychosis make him a great greater threat than going forward? Uh, depends on who's writing him, and probably not anytime soon. No. Uh, Big Al from Edgeware, Jr. George addresses month. 
but I wanted to know your two cents on it anyway. Just what is Jonah's problem with Spider-Man? I believe in Amazing Spider-Man 10, he said he was jealous of him because he was a hero, but in Amazing Spider-Man 1, Spidey wasn't much of a hero, yet Jonah still gave him grief. What is his deal? Here's the panel he put. Uh, let, let JR do that one. He, he's a big Jonah. No, it's ain't that JR, yeah. yeah. No, what, 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 is, what is Jonah's problem? Jonah's problem is, with Spider-Man is multifaceted. Uh, unfortunately, he is not a consistently written character. So he his he he changes from you know he, he goes up and down from being you know a, a, a psychopath to uh, a reasonable human being and you know everything in between. Jonah's problem with with Spider Man is one uh, he, uh, he he's a guy with superpowers who has no accountability. No one knows who he is. He answers to no one. Uh, you know, and would we want, you know, would we want law enforcement to be like that, you know, without accountability? And Spider-Man, you know, a person like Spider-Man could theoretically be a dangerous person. We don't know. Of course, the whole thing with the Marvel Universe, though, pretty well invalidates that because everybody, all these costume characters are running around and what distinguishes Spider-Man from anybody else. But, but, you know, but that is one that there's this guy out there with superpowers who apparently has no accountability, and it's a frightening prospect. So he thinks he thinks he's irresponsible, which really responsible is his motto. Yeah, it's like you know? yeah, well, it's like I said, Jonah is not written consistently. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of writers really understand that character. And another problem with it is that Jonah has, uh, for all of Jonah's life, you know, he was a news, you know, he he really has tried to do good. He really has, you know, by being a reporter and other things like that, he really has, you know, crusaded for things like social justice and other things like that. And he felt he hadn't, he hasn't gotten the proper recognition. Somebody puts on a clown suit, goes around, beats up some thugs, and everybody thinks he's a hero. So there's a certain amount of jealousy in that. You know, Jonah, yeah. he spent decades of his life trying to do good, you know, the right way. You know, and then this clown comes and, uh, you know, completely steals his thunder. So Jonah's got some legitimate problems with Spider-Man. Uh, but unfortunately, over the last 50 years, it, it, it's, it's been magnified and beat over the head so much that it's lost its, you know, you kind of, exactly, you wonder what the heck is the deal? Why is this guy such a, a, a nutcase with Spidey's years, you know? Yeah, very good answer. George, what do you think of Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2, uh, where Spidey teams up with Doc Strange for the first time? Uh, I love uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2. Have you ever read it, Brad? Yeah, I did. No, it's a, Year, years ago. It was a bit trippy. It's a really good story. And uh, yeah. it's also, uh, for you trivia buffs out there, it's the first appearance of the Wand of Watum. Ooh, yeah. Which is a go. big uh, artifact in the Marvel Universe. A lot of times whenever, you know, the big heavy-hitting artifacts are mentioned or shown, the Wand of Watum is always there, like up yeah. with the Cosmic Cube and others. They're like the Cask of Ancient Winners and everything else. Um, I, I, it's one of the rare Spider-Man comics I don't own. It is it is a very good story. Uh, it's They fight Xandu, who's another sort of like black magician. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I overall, I, I really enjoy it. I've It's been always been one of my favorite team-ups with them. JR, what did you think of the Alpha storyline celebrating the 50th anniversary? You gave your thoughts on part one of that arc, but we never got to hear what you thought about the rest of it. Uh, okay, was it three parts? Mm-hmm. I or guess. Yeah, it was. And then there was a mini. Okay, part one, stupid. Part two, stupid. Part three, stupid. Miniseries, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I concur, and I read it all. Oh, man. 
Uh, Spectacular Mike, hey. it seems every podcaster has answered this question, but since you're new to the show, I'd love to hear your two cents. What are your top five Spider-Man villains and top five Spider-Man supporting characters? Okay, top five Spider-Man villains. Um, Doctor, uh, No particular order. Um, Dr. Octopus. Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin. The Kingpin. Um, Mysterio. And I have a soft spot for the Scorpion, actually. Okay. Um, and my top five Spider-Man supporting characters would be Mary Jane Watson, J. Jonah Jameson, Robbie Robertson, Flash Thompson, and Aunt May. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we kind of talked about the backlash of the Raimi films in the movie review. Mm-hmm. That's one of his other questions, so feel free to listen to that one. Yeah. Uh, Lockdown from Illinois, our buddy Ryan. Brad, congrats on 300 episodes. Love the Spider-Friends reunion. It really made a bad day turn bright. So well, thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate that. While we're talking about the Spider-Friends, with the reunion and Amazing X-Men, that just seems wrong to say, Amazing <laughs> X-Men, and rumor talk about a miniseries down the road, do you think Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends could last as a satellite title, or do you think the Spider-Friends are only good in the comic book universe once in a while? I think once in a while. I don't think it has, I don't think it could last for three, I mean, for those three and, and issue after issue. If it, it depends on the writer. Yeah. If Peter, if David you get wrote some, it, Peter David could make it last three years. It'd be nice if like, you have an occasional team-up once in a while, but yeah, not, not as an ongoing type thing. The closest we had it was Bendis doing it in Ultimate, and it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Ultimate. And well, I yeah, and plus it wasn't Firestar; yeah. it was Johnny Storm, See? and it just didn't really work. Plus, you but also got to remember these are that the comic book variations are slightly different characters than you have in the necessarily in the cartoon as well. I I just think it's a nice throwback to us that grew up in the eighties yeah. uh, to get throw us a bone every every couple dec- de- decades, every couple years. Yeah. So, George, you were talking about the Marvel Online comic subscription in the last podcast. Do you think? That if Marvel started allowing same-day or week-later digital releases, similar to DC Comics does for their new releases on Comixology, do you think that would really start the transition readers to digital reading, since it would cost readers less than 10 bucks a month for subscriptions instead of 4 bucks a pop? Um, the transition is going to happen on its own sweet time. Um, like I say, you know, JR and I have pointed this out many times. Print is dying. It, it is dying rapidly, and, and you know... Which is weird for all of us who can remember newsstands, you know, like going into yeah. places and just seeing eight trillion magazines. But I mean, every month a, a magazine that's been around, you know, for decades and decades goes down. Um, it's just so we're we're transitioning to digital, and it's going to happen. There's, you don't really need anything to speed that up. It's just going to happen when it happens. Um, I do think, though, that. Ultimately, one day, I don't know if it'll be 20 years or so, that um, licensed digital or even maybe a subscription form will be the the way this ends up. Like, they'll probably have tier packages where, like, you know, for 20 bucks a month, you get these titles. For 30 bucks a month, you get these extra Like your satellite. Like your satellite programming. Yeah, and I think think it's going to wind up being like that, and I I think that's how uh, the industry will move forward once print finally does die off. That would be interesting. Like for ten bucks an extra month, in addition to all the back issues you can read, you can get the latest Avengers title. Mm-hmm. I, for another for another ten dollars, all your Spider-Man titles. I could see them. See that the bad part about that is, is that they would force you to accept things in your subscription that you don't give two shits about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what satellite. It's exactly does. what cable does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, I, I don't want to read New Warriors. It's awful. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, believe me, I've been reading New Warriors right now, and it's like I said earlier. And yeah, have we like, seen any positive reviews on that book? And I like Yost, but damn. Yeah, you I had, think he, he's just phoning it in is what is going I, on. I, I yeah. think like with the first issue you had, some reviewers who were like, yeah, this is rough, but hey, man, this has potential and new warriors. Woo! And then you got to see those reviews kind of go on and they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, JR, do you think that Marvel is trying to decrease the goblins in the aftermath of Goblin Nation since only Norman, Roderick, and Phil were the only goblins who got away at the end of the storyline while the rest were cured of the goblin formula? Well, apparently Norman was cured as well, so he's <laughs> yeah. not a goblin either. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know that Marvel had any plans. To be honest, I mean, the way that story was put together, uh, it was almost like it was really a six or seven part story, and then you know, and then they said, "Oh, got to wrap it up in five, you know, and and so everything mm-hmm. got squeezed together. So I, I think. Uh, I think you're giving them too much credit for for thinking that they would did have a plan. Adam S. from uh, San Diego, California. Michael, you can have this one. Okay. Uh, it seems that if the letter pages in some of Marvel's titles are now being published exclusively online, do you do any of you regularly read the letter pages? And have you ever wrote on wrote one or had one published in a comic before? I've never wrote a letters page. Um, I don't regularly read one, um, but there is one that I distinctively remember. Um, from one of those, um, I think it was one of those uh, Tom McFarlane uh, Spider-Man um, issues. I forgot which number. The way, so it was a, it was a cover that he where we where Spider-Man's in the black costume. I forgot what issue that was. But thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, but there was a, yeah, there yeah. was a letter. There was a, the reason why I remember this is because there was a letter in the in the back that talked about there was this guy who was writing to, writing about how he about this about Spider-Man. He says about how much Tom McFarlane sucked as an artist. And how he just basically says, "Oh my God, this, this, you're, this is you're the worst artist I've ever seen. You have no concept of of human anatomy or proportion. I have tons of friends that I could, that can write that can uh, illustrate better than you can any day of the week." And and then the response to Tom McFarlane. And re- keep in mind, this was before he got into the whole crazy baseball obsession, where uh-huh. and all that stuff. He writes back. He says, "So you have a couple of friends that are." For supposed to be pretty good artists. Why don't you send me some of their work, and then I can help to see if I can get them a job? Which I thought <laughs> that was pretty classy of him. You know, yeah, yeah. So Man, that, that was the one. You, that's the one that really stuck out in my mind in terms of letters pages. But I've never, like I said, I've never written a letters page. Age, I don't really regularly read them. But so. I, I'll quiz you, Mike. What was the name of the letter pages in the McFarland Spider-Man book? Oh gosh. That's been a Come while. Uh, <laughs> you, you know it. Face. There you yeah, go. Very okay. good. That's that's where I got the name of the website yep. from Todd McFarlane's letter. I ha- and the thing so. is, I lost that issue. I had to. Uh, I <laughs> and I think my brother got a hold of it, and I don't know where it is now. So yeah. Uh, the cl- actually, Jr. or George, have you written into the letters? I've had a letter published. Yeah, I don't know, but oh, oh yeah. and what issue? What issue? Uh, it was in the late '90s. It was after Heroes Reborn or whatever. Oh. After- after yeah. that horrible mess was over, and they read <laughs> what book? It was what book? It was, was in it, Thor. It, it was back when Romita was doing Thor, and Dan Jerkins was writing it. Uh huh. And Brevert, before he was a condescending ass on the internet, um, <laughs> was the editor. And I wrote in because in one issue, Thor loses his helmet during a battle, and then leaves without it. And in the next issue, he's got his he's got his helmet back. And I'm like, well, what the hell happened with the helmet? 
Mm-hmm. I was, I'm like, what's the story? I mean, we never see Thor go back for the helmet, dude. What, what, what's going on? And Tom Brevard turned it into like a recurring story through like the next three or four issues in the letter states. <laughs> told the story of how the helmet got back to Thor. Oh, oh. and it was, it was interesting. And you know, of course, then many decades later, you know, or not decades, yeah. but you know, many years later, you know, all this, you know, That's all this, funny. all this other stuff happens today. So it kind of, it kind of, I, I look back on that with rose-colored glasses, but. JR, you ever write into the letters pages? No. No? I, I've done it, uh, I, I did it once, and I was in a letters pages in a roundabout way. One time, uh, in the height of Secret Wars, I wrote into, uh, the, there wasn't letter pages, or I don't, I think I guess I wrote it to the Amazing Spider Mail or whatever, and I said, you should release, uh, action figures for the Secret Wars that were, in the book. <laughs> Daredevil wasn't in Secret Wars. Right. Why does he have an action figure? Right. Uh, the Hobgoblin wasn't in Secret Wars. Why does he have an action figure? And then I wrote a list of the suggested heroes that I think should be made uh, action figures. It was never published. Right. I, I think I got I think I got like a form mail with Spider Man on it saying thanks. We'll 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 listen to your suggestion or something. I guess I lost that. I should have I wrote that. one um after they killed off Mary Jane, that was never published. <laughs> Probably because it was pretty caustic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Uh, the other time that I was in a letters page was in uh, The Amazing Spider-Girl. After I did the interview with uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, uh, the very first time, uh, I said uh, Tom DeFalco put in the letters pages that, hey, uh, uh, Tom, I mean... Uh, Ron and I were on a, a new thing called a podcast, <laughs> and if you'd like to listen to it, go to SpiderManCrawlspace.com, and you can download it. I think it's an issue number eight. It's the one where Mary Jane uh, is in a trench coat, and Spider-Girl's behind her, and Mary Jane's kind of like protecting her. It's that cover. So uh, this crawlspace was advertised mm. in, a, in a letters page, so that I always thought that was just so cool. Uh, Mr. Matt, so I'm going to name this one. This is a Goblins kind of deal, so you know who gets this one. There's a uh, difference in some reprints of The Night Gwen Stacy Died, and he shows a panel where Spider-Man is swinging towards the Goblin, and he says, The George Washington Bridge. It figures Osborne would pick something named after his favorite president. He's got the same sort of hang-up for dollar bills. And then uh, we have another scan of the picture that... It, uh, the the president insult and the dollar bill insult were deleted, and uh, Spider-Man says he's swinging towards the Brooklyn Bridge. So what do you think of the differences, and is that an appropriate time uh, for a joke about no- Norman Osborn's wealth obsession? What do you think of changing it in reprints, J.R.? They changed it in the reprints because there's never been a president in Brooklyn. <laughs> But okay, that's why they got rid of it. I mean, they it was they incorrectly identified it as the GW Bridge, and in reprints they made it the Brooklyn Bridge, and then the joke didn't fit anymore. There you go. To everyone from Hornacek, our buddy Hornacek in Canada, and Tom DeFalco's Comic Creators on Spider-Man, which is a very good book, I agree. He interviews various Spider-Man writers and artists where he talks with Howard Mackey, and they disagree on how the spider sense work. Mackey says if it's a tingle, and it. 
he says it's a tingle indicating danger but nothing specific, while DeFalco says it's instinctual, like pulling your hand away from when you touch a hot stove, not something that Peter can choose to respond to or ignore. Which of these two do you think is more accurate, or do you have a different theory on how it works? I guess the most common answer is it works however the writer wants it to work, which is very true. I tend to uh, agree with DeFalco. Um, actually, there's an interesting little tidbit about I have my own little personal theory, which actually can go back to um, – have you ever – you guys remember what was uh, – it goes back to Amazing Spider-Man 2, the original one. There's a point where the vulture is about to attack Spider-Man, and, he, and I'm looking at the panel now. I have my little Spy- Amazing Spider-Man DVD thing uh, popped up, and he says, wait, I can feel vibrations in the air behind me. The vulture must have doubled back behind me some now. Interesting little tidbit is spiders can actually sense vibrations in air currents. Oh, they can ride air currents. Yeah, well, I mean, well yeah. the thing, yeah, because there's a thing in there because there's a they have a little the specialized hairs like these little vibrational sensitive thing called they call them uh, I think it was uh, tri- trichobotheria and on certain segments of their limbs and so they're able to kind of detect where you know, objects. And also estimate their size, and also they can, you know, they can sense airborne vibrations based upon, um, you know, like they can hear, like they can sense like insects in flight. So this helps to better track their prey. And so my whole little pet theory is, oh well, what Spider-Man is doing, like somehow when he got bit by the spider, his hair follicles became more sensitive, and so he's able to, you know, at least that to me makes a little bit more sense than say ESP, that where where sometimes it's written or like oh like. Or when uh, he can't detect danger from Aunt May about to hit him with a lamp because Aunt May is not a threat somehow or something. So I remember one time when I explained to my mother how fly, uh, spiders can actually fly for miles and miles riding air currents. My mom was yeah. like, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my mother was like, why would you ever tell me that? <laughs> zip, zip line, location, purgatory. To Brad, how, do you, how could Spider-Man's 50th anniversary have been celebrated better? Up against Superman and Batman's 75th anniversary, what else do you think should have been done? Uh, could have been better exercised. I, the, the emphasis was on uh, Alpha. The emphasis should have been on Spider-Man. It made Spider-Man a minor character in his own book. It made him seem old, like he was getting a sidekick. He's been at this game for a long time. And, and no one liked Alpha. They like Spider-Man, and I, I don't, I don't think you'll see Alpha for a good long time. Uh, I, I don't know. Just emphasize on Spider-Man, but God bless. Don't go back to the the biting of the spider again. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of that. It's the, you know, and, and I've mentioned this before. I don't <sighs> remember when. It's the biggest conceit a writer can do. They're tempted. Every writer, for yeah. some reason, is tempted to go back and jack with the origin in some way. And I don't know why that is. It's, it's almost like some sort of serial killer compulsion it is. to go and yeah. do it. And, and Dan Slott has fallen into it. He can't, he can't escape it. He can't do it. He's like, I have to do it. I have to do well, it, dog. I have trap. to go do the origin. In this particular it's case, it also ties into their big original sin vent with the, with, um, with the new uh, person getting bit by the spiders then. Because they have to have – oh, it has to have some like, oh, big revelation about all these other characters that they didn't really know about. Like Iron Man responsible for creating the Hulk or something. So, yeah. Know. To George, how would Spider-Man be written if Frank Miller scribed him, or does this fall under the previous what if Spider-Man were a DC hero? Uh, I guess he wouldn't tell as many jokes and probably hit people harder. Yeah. Um, that's, that's it. That's it. That, that's that's it. it. He, 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 may, he may lapse into calling people dirty hippies. 
Mm. He's he, he's dark and gritty. Yeah. yeah. To Jr., I'm unsure if this has ever been asked on the podcast, but what does everyone think of the renewed Venom milking with the release of Spider-Man Three? The video games, the comics, the cartoons, and reruns tried to capitalize on Venom in 2007 and 8, and oversaturated the market like they did in the 90s. Was it bad for the character? What does that mean? Mil- Venom milking with the release of with the renewed you know, milking kind of-, of Venom. That maybe that's what he meant. I don't like the word milking. What the, what, what? <laughs> no, you haven't heard that milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it just seems weird. Okay, go ahead. Do you, I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't. I don't recall there being a particularly uh, a boost in uh, venom stuff. I mean, I guess what that was yeah. around the time anti venom was cre- cre- created or something. I don't know. I, well, I don't recall it being venom. Ever since he debuted, they've always kind of had to have throw in some kind of symbiote character in there in all the video games and comics and stuff like that, like you know, Venom Carnage and all that. You know, so. Yeah, but it I don't had, remember the movie kicking off any particular... Well, he might be talking about the fact that they're thinking about making a Venom spinoff. Oh, God. So, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, they're making a movie. Uh, real quick with George, did you know that Christopher Daniel Barnes voices Symbiote and Superior Spider-Man in that video game? I did not know that. There yep. you go. You play that. You still play it? Uh, play the uh, Marvel Heroes Online? Yeah, uh, I haven't played it in probably. I need to get in there and play it. Uh, they've got Doctor Strange in there now that you can play. Mm-hmm. But see, the thing is, though, I'll either have to be it logged in and grind the same content over and over again for like twenty, thirty hours before I could get Doctor Strange within in-game quote-unquote currency, or pay fifteen bucks to play him. Mm, yeah. And I don't, I don't. That start like- to grind on me. Lady Spider, Mike, you got this one. If you could come up with Spider-Man, a Spider-Man series of movies, three to four movies, how would you do it? Oh not, boy, yeah. Um, that, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a that's a very good question. Um, I kind of think. Well, if we're, I think if you're gonna like if you're kind of come up with, I think if you're trying to base it off of like with the continuation of. The last series of movies I mentioned, I think I talked a little bit about what I would have in the um, the third movie for the uh, last for the um, for the movie review podcast. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I think you, I do think though that you would have to bring in, kind of have a little bit more like of the of the kind of bring in a little bit more of the Daily Bugle cast a little yeah. bit, and also I think. Um, I think yeah yeah that's just a very difficult question. I would have to give it a little bit more thought. I would I would stay the hell away from anything with Ultimate Spider-Man parents, on it. Parents, yeah, oh yeah. Avoid the parents. Avoid yeah, emphasize, that. emphasize the put the, a little bit more importance on Uncle Ben, a yes. little bit. Um, uh, just get away. Try to get away from this all the parents nonsense a little nonsense. And it's also figure out to go. I understand why they did it. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the group, uh, I've been reading Spider-Man from the time I got into comics. I was uh, yeah. just after Clone Saga. I always liked the Black Tarantula. I wish he could come back. Do you think he had what it take to be a great Spider-Man villain? Any Black Tarantula fans? Depends on the writer. Yep. Uh, R. Hagen, uh, to George, have you read Jim Butcher's Spider-Man novel, The Darkest Hours, or any of the Dresden Files series? If so, do you think he'd be a good writer for Doc Strange? I don't read superhero novels just because I need to see action. I, I, I don't want to read about someone shooting out a web shooter. I need to actually see it. Actually, I've had that Butcher novel on my shelf for years. Have you? I have 
but I haven't. Now the uh, it depends on the writer, George. Honestly, that Adam Troy Castro trilogy, yeah. God bless. That's all. Now the the thing is though, if if he, if you want to tell me, I, I watched the Dresden Files uh, TV show that was on Sci Fi for a little while, um, uh-huh. and I did go through and look at some of the comics that they did for the Dresden Files. I think Marvel was the one that did them. Um, if Jim uh, Butcher was involved with Doctor Strange, it, it wouldn't, uh, or I don't, I don't want to say it wouldn't turn me off, but I, I think that could actually be very well done. Yeah, uh, we're doing something. I'm going to add a couple questions from Facebook. That was the last from our message board. Uh, if you want to ask a question on Facebook, uh, go to Spider-Man Crawl Space. Just type it into the search bar at Facebook, and you can find us. And currently, we're up to 2,400 fans, and I'd like a lot more if you if you listen to this show. And I, we guarantee you, we have more than 2,400 people that uh, listen to this show. Uh, Mike Ayers, his question is: What makes Spider-Man an everyman other than he has problems? His intellect inventiveness and the fact that being Spider-Man crossing over to his personal life constantly says otherwise. Also, why would his parents being spies ground him less when this had nothing to do with his upbringing, his father being a scientist in ultimate continuity, and the amazing films, however, has Peter molded by his father's hands? How's that? Hmm. Well, uh, who wants that one? Um, well, I think partly I think it's because I think mainly... The reason why I think he's sort of an everyman character, even though, yeah, he's technically a you know, you know, scientific genius and stuff, it's primarily because the things that happen to to Peter, you know, despite having his powers and despite having having you know, of an intellect thing, are things that usually happen to you know to to others when they're when they're growing up and everything. Because I think partly I think with Spider-Man, at its heart, it's always been essentially a coming-of-age story. It's always been about how he's learning to essentially grow, I mean, that's become essentially a man. And I think everyone kind of, kind of eventually identify that because everyone essentially has to go, you know, if it's not school, they always they have to know how to pay their bills. They always have to try to get along with, with friends and, and all the relationships. Um, it's just... The things that, that, that that's why I think some of all the stuff involving with him and his personal life is just as fascinating, if not more so than than all necessarily the typical superhero battles and everything. And the fact that that things just do not get easier for him just because he has superpowers that he still that I mean, just you know, just I mean, that's just that's why I think he's endured for so for so long. Yeah, we kind of hit, hit uh, about the parents. I, I've talked about this in the past about how. I, I think it's more relatable, and and since Peter is a scientist, it makes more sense for his dad to be a scientist and a spy. Right. I, but people I, people I, don't don't change. I mean, my dad was a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, but you know what a doctor is. I don't know what a spy is. I mean, I don't know anybody's dad that's a spy. I know a lot of people's dads are doctors. Well, the problem with I think the the thing with the parents, and I mean, it's and is essentially by having him be spies, and also. I think it's just kind of a similar problem with the films they're making, is the fact it kind of makes Peter Parker almost kind of like a chosen one, essentially. It's almost like, oh, that yeah. he's destined to become this great... A scientist. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think... And, and the, the, the beauty of, I think, what makes Spider-Man, I think, you, what Peter Parker unique is that the idea is supposed to be that this could have been any... That really could have been anyone that got mm-hmm. bitten by the spider. 
And he just it just happened to be you know it just happened to be there at the I guess you could say the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time depending on your point of view. Right. Last question on Facebook for our panel. Jay Tyson says, "Do you think the whole Peter must be miserable, never ever happy thing is being driven into the ground?" When I read Spider nowadays, I can't help but feel it's less like he's struggling with problems and doing the right thing, and more like the writers just want to make his life miserable. And that upsets me because to me, it makes me feel the same way I feel when someone's being a dick to a friend. <laughs> you, you just want to punch them in the face and tell them to leave your friend alone. Jr., you got this one. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think people yeah. have confused. Um, having just to me, to me, Spider-Man is is it kind of goes back to the Everyman question. It's it's not because he's so constantly miserable. It's just because he faces the same little indignities that we all do, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes that's like you know being you know someone cutting you off in the line or a or a customer service representative being rude to you or something like that. It's not you know everybody you love dying or blowing up in a plane or or you losing your job or sleeping on the streets or whatever. I mean it's yeah they yeah they they overplay that whole misery thing. You know, and forget that part of the appeal is just, you know, dealing with regular craft. 